Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. Our goal is simple. We want to challenge you to think differently about finance and business. Join us and start the journey today. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. I am your co-host, Nathaniel Leach, along with my other co-host, Tim Bickmore, and also co-host, but also the interviewee for today, Dan Weiss. So Dan, tell us a little bit about yourself, starting with what is your full legal name? Not much I can say there. It's Daniel Justin Weiss, unless you want like a Hebrew name. Yeah, let's do that too. Sure. Your wish is my command. Uh, Brookia Yosef. That's a beautiful name. I never knew that. We're I didn't know that now. either. I didn't know that either. We're Very learning cool. a lot as we continue our series of dissecting these hosts. <laughs> so moving on to the second question, where were you born? Uh, the technical answer would be a hospital in Park Ridge, Illinois. Funny, since I just gave you a Hebrew name, it was Lutheran General Hospital. But the fact <laughs> that we were, I don't know. We were living in Chicago. So I guess the answer is kind of Chicago, Illinois, but that's the specific hospital. Okay. Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? I think like most people, that's probably changed over time. Uh, that started as a veterinarian, then mm -hmm. an architect, then an attorney. And, uh, you know, then I realized that I just really wanted to be useful and of service to others, really to have a purpose. Or to that's have a nice, purpose, say. yeah, that's a nice generalized way of, of putting it. As to the attorney, if you had been an attorney, I would not want to be on the opposite side of that conversation <sighs> or the table or the bar or whatever you call it. No, you uh, feel it yeah. anyways. Yes, I do already. <laughs> And that's why I have to bring Ying into the conversation whenever we're having a disagreement so she can argue my case because she's got the legal background because otherwise it's pointless. Uh, anyways, uh, what did you study at college and how is it relevant then and now? Uh, I think the answer is like most college students, I studied life. But, uh, but that was followed by the academics of finance with an emphasis in business law and a minor in geography for fun. Was <laughs> it relevant today? Uh, honestly, I don't think it's that relevant. And I don't, I don't mean to put down my schooling. I had a great time at Whitewater, um, but I just don't, I don't use much of that today uh, in our current practice from a formal setting. I probably use geography the most. Yeah, I was going to say that you do have kind of an obsession when it comes to geography with the uh, the maps that we have at our office. Like when it, when I come into the office and I see you standing in front of one of those maps with your arms crossed and you're thinking, where are we missing a pin here? I just I really walk enjoy past, it. I walk past and I roll my eyes and I just keep on walking. Well, just be happy that my maps haven't made their, their way into your office yet. Over my dead body. Just, Just so, so the audience, me. so the audience knows, this is very true facts. Nathaniel does roll his eyes as he walks past Dan, staring at his maps. Well, this is a no BS interview, so everything in here is going to be very true. 
Okay. Uh, the last question for my little set. Uh, true or false, can you do the splits? <laughs> uh, yes, but not as well as I once was able to do. I'm getting so you're Wait, so you're saying that to this day, you can still do the splits? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah. If this weren't a Zoom call and thus I, you know, happen to be wearing pants, I'd show you just, now. Just dip the camera down. You just got to tilt the laptop down and then get down on the floor. I, I no, tell you we, what. We I won't do what, that. When we, when we resume time in the office, I'll do the splits and you can post First it thing. on social media. First thing. Deal? deal. Okay. I'll let Ying know. So she'll remember to do that. She'll get a real kick out of that. All right, all right, all right, you two. It's time to get serious. So, Dan, what pushed you to forming LBW? What was the catalyst? Why did you do it? Uh, this is an answer that the two of these guys clearly already know, but really uh, a couple reasons. One of which is a, a distaste for our industry, but a love for finance, which I know the two of you share with me. Uh, hopes that it can be better. And uh, uh, later, I mean, those are the two catalysts, <clears throat> but later, you know, just a realization that there's a big hole in serving specific demographics in ways that just aren't commonly done that needs to be filled. So I get to work to fill that hole. All right. All right. And maybe this maybe that answer kind of plays into the next question. And what motivates you professionally? Um First and foremost, really, though, it really was to improve people's lives. Uh, that or is to improve people's lives. That's what really you know, pushes me forward. And then uh, a secondary reason would really be a motivation to change this industry and actually make it, I'm sorry to say, a respectable profession. I think we'd all three agree with you on the last, on the last note there, um, which is just Agreed. the truth. My, my last question for my segment is, you know, we talk about this a lot, Dan, we get to enter in conversations with clients and we get to kind of be more um, in tune with our clients just due to the roles that we play within LBW. Uh, so what would you say is the greatest reward from your work here at LBW? I knew this question was coming because this was asked and a number of these I know, I know were asked of Tim the other week. Um, I, I can't, improve on Tim's answer the other week. So I'm going to repeat it maybe a little differently, but um, really I can't say it better than he did. So I, I never anticipated the depths of the reach that we would have into the eyes of the people that we've met over the last number of years. Those experiences, being able to share in their life, you know, uh, this, this if done right is a very intimate relationship with, uh, with, with clientele. And a lot of times those clientele um, are friends and then become clients uh, more so in the last number of years, they're clients and a lot of them then become friends, but just walking in their shoes and understanding where they came from, what their stories are, it's just so vast. And uh, it really is just a very broadening enlightening experience in a lot of ways in a good way it makes me feel a lot older than what I really am yeah I think there's a lot of reasons for that and I would agree, agree that I think you just were born with a with an old soul I really do to be completely frank 
Mm. I, I am the oldest in the office. Anyhow, so tell us what your hopes are for LBW. Um, <clears throat> I guess, I guess my biggest, largest hope is that it never loses the spirit and culture that it has established today, and that those virtues and others um, that I'm very proud of last past our working lifetimes. Well said. What advice would you give someone entering college, uh, studying your major, or wanting to go into this line of work that you do today? Don't. No, I'm just kidding. Um, at least partially. Or, uh, you know, aren't specific, you? Maybe. Uh, specifically to college, to answer the college part of that, I, I would say to get involved on, on campus as much as possible. Uh, when we returned to campuses, whatever that looks like, that mm -hmm. was, I mean, I, I mean, that grew me a lot was just really embracing everything that I had the ability to touch. Um, it really position yourself to learn and grow, uh, specifically to finance. I honestly, I, I, I don't know, it, you know, it's a hard profession if done right. Uh, but what isn't, I, I guess, I guess I would say, you know, just, just hope to find your passion young and follow, uh, follow those passions, you know, in any way you can and, and really work to provide an instructive tongue to others and an attentive ear. That would really be what I, what I would say. Um, you know, if finance isn't a passion of yours, don't do it. Okay. Who are some of your greatest mentors in life? Uh, you know, I've had so many mentors in my life. Um, at that time, I don't know that uh, they nor I perhaps really recognize that mentorship. Uh, so I can't acknowledge all of them. I will, however, acknowledge the uh, the two uh, greatest mentors uh, to me, which is clear to me. So one of which would be my grandpa, Jerry. And, um, we, you know, he passed away about two years ago. Uh, and I think a lot of his mentorship, if I were to frame it up, Really, I could, I could frame it up by saying it just was his love was unconditional and he was really the father that I uh, never had. And so I learned many things from him about life, about business, um, but above all, the impact that you can have on someone by choosing to be involved with them. Uh, the second person that I would say is my mother and uh, who, you know, she just, she's always always uh, gives and has given the most of herself to every person she's encountered. Um, you know, she just, no matter how difficult the situation is, she gives herself, you know, her resilience, kindness, work ethic, it's just unmeasurable. And so I, I really strive to live up to the standards that her, my grandfather, and so many have put in front of me. What bothers you the most about our industry and where do you see problems with how financial concepts within our industry are utilized and how would you, what would you do differently? It's a whole pad, whole podcast in itself, isn't it? Uh, again, let's, so let's keep it short then. I'll do my best. Uh, you know, I would say the lack of responsibility for the role 
that an advisor chooses to play in someone's life. It's not designed to be a simple sales function, but often it's portrayed that way. Uh, Tim mentioned a lack of transparency in his interview. I completely agree. Uh, disjointed incentives, a lack of education. It's, um, it's kind of like a, a knockoff Picasso, right? It's messed up. And we think uh, it being messed up is supposed to be, is supposed to make sense. And it's just how it is. Well, that's not the case. Um, or at least it doesn't have to be. So at which point, you know, when you find out it doesn't have to be at that point, I should say, you know, you find out that, that it's been a knockoff and you've been duped. So, you know, our biggest competitor often is the damage done by people's past teachings and experience, hands down. Again, well said. What are the biggest financial mistakes a person can make? Um, I'm going to try to do one and because uh, that's difficult for me to do. So I would say it's keep trying to keep up with the Joneses or as Tim often says, the Kardashians. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's his, not mine. You know, everybody thinks relative and, and they make impulsive, irrational, emotional judgments, movements based on that relativity, not knowing all the facts. Mm. Stop. Just stop. You know, it's a destructive behavior. You know, why care about what the neighbor has? Uh, focus on what matters and impacts you and the loved ones. It doesn't matter what that neighbor has. This, that, that kind of behavior just, it never leads to anything good. People are emotional. And when they are emotional, they are irrational. That is think, the truth. I think we've heard you say that a time or two. It's one of my many mottos. I will, I will add to that, Dan, that uh, we can tell that you're getting uh, older with your experience as you're becoming more direct yeah. <laughs> in, your, in your old working ages. So <laughs> yeah, at some point, I just kind of, I'll bleep this uh, so Ying doesn't have to worry about editing this out. But some, yes, I guess you're right. As I get older, I just kind of, I give a less beep. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine you can insert that beep pretty easily. Um, yeah. You know, Dan, I, I don't know, you know, we have a lot of conversations and I don't know that we've ever really specifically spoken about this one. So I'm, I'm curious to hear your answer. How do you view, view leadership and what do you think it takes to be a leader? Um, I think it takes courage, courage to step up and do what needs to be done. Sometimes that's unpopular and often it's a lot of work. Uh, sometimes that's behind the scenes. Sometimes it's getting in front of the line. In either case, uh, it takes action, commitment, determination, and uh, always it takes a higher level of care. All right. That's a good answer. This next question, you know, and, and I, will, I will ask you, as I kind of mentioned when uh, the two of you interviewed me, is to be open and honest and vulnerable as you can to, to give our audience a little bit of a, a good understanding of Dan Weiss. And I think that this can be taken a lot of different ways. So what is your greatest source of joy, truly? Uh, so I'll give you a very honest answer. Uh, for a long time, I have very much struggled with the idea of finding joy. It, I'm not the best at it. It's not easy for me. In the last few years, it's become something that I have found with greater ease 
but uh, but I, you know today I, I have to work really hard in recognizing it. That's it's just a very hard thing for me to recognize. Um, and I appreciate people like you guys and my wife for putting up with that. But um, I th I think it is easier today than what it was as a child or you know in between from there to now. Um, you know today. I do find it in a lot of a lot of places. If I really sit back and think about it, I, I really do find it in the work that we do, professionally speaking. Um, I've I've blessed to have a large circle of friends with very in depth uh, relationships. Um, I, you know, I find joys in, in the outdoor. If you can't find me, I'm in my woods cutting something down for the sake of just cleaning up the woods. That's a never ending battle, but I do it anyways. Uh, I find a lot of joy in our horses, um, you know, volunteering in the community, music, travel, my family, immediate and extended, my wife and her family as well. But if you're asking me to pinpoint all of that, um, that becomes easier. You know, the greatest source without question is my daughter. Yeah. It's a very good answer. I think a lot of parents share that same sentiment, which is great. Um, and I appreciate the honesty of that answer too. So now there are some quick ones. Most, most favorite place you've ever traveled to. I know you've been around the world, so let's hear it. Uh, a toss up between Jerusalem and Israel and, nope. uh, Venice. Nope. 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 But he's going to nope. make, he's going to force me. I'm not going to let that fly. Choose. Okay. Uh, I will go with the old city of Jerusalem. Why did you decide on that one? I think that I was moved by the, the beauty of Venice and the uniqueness of the city. And there's no other city like that. Um, in Jerusalem, I was moved by both of those things. And then, the, you know, the spiritual feeling that you find within Jerusalem and the multicultural um, elements that are clearly evident. I just found it to be more robust and I'm being very picky there, uh, but that's why. So I will take Jerusalem for 500, Alex. Good answer. And what about your favorite board game? What's your favorite board game? I mean, I really like Euchre, but that's not a board game. Um, and if you're okay. not from the Midwest, you probably don't know what Euchre is. Uh, so my favorite board game is Monopoly. But here's the thing. Nobody will play with me. So, uh, you know. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> I mean, there's a story behind there. And it basically, you know, goes back 20 years, 20 plus years in college, where Monopoly was the start of a breakup between a girlfriend and I. Evidently, I was too ruthless in the game. So my wife refuses to play with me. She's never played Monopoly with me. Um, so I would say Monopoly, even though I don't play that often. But I will also say that I really do respect the game of chess. And I love chess, too, a lot. Um, yeah, I would, I would say I respect the game of chess and the tactful nature of it above any other board game. But Monopoly is probably my favorite. I figured you'd probably say bring chess up or risk or some other strategic game. I like risk. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I'm actually curious to hear what this is going to be because I have some idea of what you may say, but I'm going to see if you're going to surprise me. What would your last meal be? 
Luminati's pizza, deep dish pizza with a bowl of ice cream to follow it. Done. I, I figured that was good. I was pretty damn close, so I'm cool with that. <laughs> I don't need a lot of time on that. So let's switch gears here a little bit. And I'm going to ask this one here. So how does a person best help another? Yeah, Tim answered this too. Um, I would suspect that you'll see this in your interview, Nathaniel. Um, I think it's simple. They listen. And uh, then they offer to help. And uh, if help is accepted, they then take action and follow through. They execute. It doesn't happen all the time. It's a simple recipe. Many people I've found won't ask for help. I'm guilty of that a lot. Even though many people are willing to give it, sometimes you just have to make the first move. Having to being able to trust somebody to make that first move is, I think, very difficult for some people. Yeah, it's sure. like dating. Sometimes that first move doesn't get you anywhere, but uh, but but embarrassed. But you know, it's worth a shot. And sometimes you find the right person. Right. Uh, can you tell us an embarrassing story about yourself that you can laugh about now? Well, <laughs> uh, anybody who knows me knows that there's no shortage of embarrassing stories because I embarrass myself uh, and others all the time. Because again, I just, I don't give up. Beep. Uh, so I just do it. So uh, yeah, sure. I'll give you a, I'll give you a story. Um, I'll take you back a little past the, the 20 year plus year story of the girlfriend uh, dumping me over Monopoly. So uh, it's kind of like shooting fish in the barrel, finding a story. So um, I'll be as brief as I can about this. Um, junior year of high school, uh, I was on homecoming court. And so court was presented during one of those, what do they call those? Um, those assemblies, right? Those in-school assemblies. I don't know. If like spirit week or. Yeah, something like that. I don't know if kids still do that in this century or not, but they did in mind. So uh, I had a reputation um, uh, as I was a terrible basketball player. So I, I played football throughout all of school, but basketball ended for me after sophomore year. And I had a reputation junior and senior year of uh, going to the basketball games um, and, uh, and pumping up the crowd during halftime. And I did this uh, because, again, going back to the splits question, uh, I'm very flexible and I was more so then. So I did this by going down to the floor in my letterman's jacket and a cowboy hat and, uh, and contorting my body. And a lot of times we had a guest that would join me to spell out the word uh, Elkhorn, which is where I went to high school, letter by letter. And so, you know, I would do an E and I would, can't really see that, I'm assuming, I would do an E and I'd yell out, you know, what does that spell? Get to Elkhorn, yell out Elkhorn, right? That, that was the whole thing. So before taking stage for that home court, homecoming court um, assembly, uh, I was asked along with the lovely lady who I was paired up with for court to do just that, to, to go out and spell um, Elkhorn, but, you know, and, and do that on stage in front of the 800 plus, it wasn't a huge school, 800 plus, uh, audience. Um, but they felt Elkhorn was too long because there's other people on court. They got to come out and do their thing. So they wanted me to do Elks, right? Uh, Elkhorn Elks. Yeah, it's real creative. So the Elkhorn Elks, I had to do Elks. Um, 
And so that's fine. It's not what I did, but sure, I'll do Elks. And so we went out there and I guess some people thought that that was wrong, that we do Elkhorn, so we should do Elkhorn. So, uh, so that it got changed to doing Elkhorn, but either no one told me or I didn't listen, which happens sometimes, or I had so much adrenaline in me, which is also definitely the case, that I, I didn't hear it. So here's how this played out. Got up on stage and I yelled, give me an E. And the crowd yelled back E. And Margaret yelled out, give me an L. And the crowd back, you know, yelled back L. And, and, you know, and, and so on. And actually, now that I think about it, I think it was the reverse. Because in the fourth letter, yep, that would have, that, nope, nope, it's not. I have the right way. So then, you know, she goes, you know, uh, I, I go K. And then she goes H. And then at the end of Elkhorn during the basketball games, I would say, well, what does that spell? And people would yell back Elkhorn. So she said H, no doubt about it. There's no question it was an H. But in my head, I heard an S because I thought we were doing Elks. So I yelled out, what does that spell to the 800 people? But you know what? Elk huh, doesn't spell Jack, you know? So dead silence because Elk huh, doesn't <laughs> spell a thing except for a fellow linebacker in the front row of the, of the, uh, of the auditorium. All I hear is only him. Dan, you idiot. That's it. That's it. <laughs> what a good friend, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I ever told you guys that one, but... That's good. No, that's, that's good. a new one. It's mm. a good one. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite quote that you'd like to share with us? Hell no, I don't have a favorite quote. I mean, I got a lot of quotes. I'm not going to... I'm not buying into that one. I love quotes... Those who have listened to this podcast podcast know I love quotes. I hit them up all the time. Um, you know, there's a lot of great people to quote. You know, Ben Franklin, Mandela, Voltaire, uh, Lincoln, uh, Thomas Paine, uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe, Tubman, Charlie Munger, Churchill. No, I know. I don't have one. I will tell you. I will tell you this. I, I think I have the right to change this. I will tell you that I think probably my favorite person to quote has got to be Mark Twain overall. Um, that's probably my favorite person. Uh, you know, and I also say too that although not not a quote, I, I often do enjoy just the words of wisdom by a number of different authors and poets. Like for example, I often think of Robert Frost. Um, you know, not a quote, but nonetheless. So it's the best you're gonna get. A person that I I'll like let to it, let I'll it slide. Let it slide. That never happens, audience. Uh, for those of you who for those of us who know you. We know that you are very active in volunteer work and, and charity. And so I'm curious, why is giving back in the form of charity and volunteering so important to you? That's uh, probably uh, the second most emotional question, maybe outside of the mentor thing that I guess is likely to be asked because I know I'm coming short on my hot seat time. Um, my answer, I guess, is this, you know, the, the second half of my childhood was, uh, very hard. Um, you know, my family, uh, we, you know, we struggled financially, we struggled in a number of ways and, um, you know, not having resources as a child or, you know, at any age leaves you feeling very alone in an already lonely world. Uh, and I think that strength and community can fill 
the void of loneliness, of hopelessness, and that there's thus an importance that should be placed on charity, on community, because they go hand in hand. Uh, and, you know, what it comes down to is that I just don't want anyone to feel alone and helpless if I can help it. What subject of study fascinates you the most that is not directly related to business? Uh, easy for me, I would say it's not directly related to business, but it's definitely very indirectly related, and that would be human psychology. I find it fascinating. Mm. Very true. Very true. Yeah, we deal with okay. that quite a, <clears throat> quite a bit in uh, in our line of work, it's, and it's a fascinating subject. I would agree with you on that. By far, um, way more than what most people would think, and way more than the quantitative pieces of finance. Do we deal with the qualitative elements? of behavioral finance and psychology as to how they impact. I mean, that's a podcast in itself too. Yeah. Well said. Absolutely. You know, we've talked a lot about you, Dan. We've learned a lot about you, you know, spelling Elks with an H. Um, But what are a few things you think people may not know about you? And let's boil it down to two. I'll give you two. Give us two, two items or things that people do not know. Um. I used I used to do some competitive horseback riding. I I I would shatter if I did that today. By the way, um, again because that's you know old. what type of what type of horseback riding? Uh, a little bit of jumping. I didn't like that though. Um, I did some barrel racing. I did some team penning. I'm sure a lot of people don't know what that is, but um, fun things that I would worry about having my daughter do. That's for sure. Uh, so th- that's one. Um, a second one. Um, hmm. I'll take it away from that subject and and do something different. Uh, my, I'll, you know what? Here, uh, so I don't get to do this much anymore. But my partners have helped with this actually. Uh, you know, since having kid and firm and stuff, like I have negative time, right? Um, and so, but before I had negative time, I loved going to see live music and, uh, in the last five years I've seen one, one concert. Um, and that is because my partners bought it for me to go see Billy Joel for my birthday, um, uh, a couple of years ago now, but, uh, but I, but I have seen a lot of different fun concerts years before that. My first concert I saw was the Rolling Stones. It was phenomenal. I think I was 13 or 14 years old. That's a good great. The worst concert I've ever seen, hands down, was Vanilla Ice. That was the biggest waste of $7 <laughs> I've ever spent in my life. It was terrible. I wonder if our audience is surprised or not. I can't tell. I would be, I'd be curious to hear people in the car being like, what? Vanilla ice? I had no idea he'd went to heavy metal. It's not my kind of thing. I should have done some research first. <laughs> oh, touche. Yeah. Touche. So last question for you, Dan. Why do you podcast? Because our firm is not built for the masses. I think it's important to provide education. It's not found in the school systems, I feel, at least not well enough, um, you know, not to provide the education, not only to a select few we work with directly, um, 
but you know, to some degree, to some of the masses. And podcasting is an avenue to share stories and to educate. And coming from a family of uh, teachers, of educators, you know, everything starts with an open mind and a willingness to learn. Someone's got to teach it. Uh, this is the part of the show where we're going to do our little uh, round robin table, round table. So I'll start. So uh, for me, what I found to be the most enjoyable part of this little uh, shindig here was to hear your thoughts more about uh, charity and the volunteering and, and how your childhood truly affected how you, you view that piece of your life. And I, I think that's very commendable on your part. You know, I hope that people can see Dan is multi-layered, multifaceted in a lot of different ways through, I think, his education. I think through his, his upbringing, I think through his experiences. Um, and one thing I think was very evident through all your answers, Dan, is that you're a very thoughtful and well thought out individual. And I think that you exemplify that through our client base and and a lot through the firm. And, and I, I appreciate that. So it was just nice to hear you and see the different sides. Cause you have, I think, multiple sides to each side of the coin. <laughs> you, you don't mean multiple personalities. <laughs> no, not that far, but you're, yeah, you're not that far. I, I might take the other side <laughs> of that, but go on. Uh, I appreciate that guys. I mean, I, I really appreciate all of the guests that come on here and share their stories um, and, uh, and so on. I appreciate you wanting me to share some of my story and those who are listening today, uh, to that story, but I'm actually going to take my segment, and not leave it there. I'm in a high jacket cause it's my right with my podcast alongside my chocolate milk. And I think what I'm going to do as we were talking is I'm going, I'm going to read this as my last thought. So bear, bear with me cause I, I find it fun. So hopefully you enjoy it. Um, <clears throat> Ah, it's good, good chocolate milk. Two roads diverged in the yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there had warned them really about the same, and both the, that morning equally lay and leaves no step had trot in black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. And knowing, yet knowing, how ways lead on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Some wear ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood. And I... I took the one last traveled by and that has made all the difference. Robert Frost, 1916. That will be my last thought for this podcast. I uh, have very much enjoyed um, the series that we've built so far, the firm, the people we've met. It has not been the path that I expected to travel um, in life and, and in business, but I am surely thankful for having gone down that path. Nice closing. Great. You know, I will say out of all the guests, you, you one of the best closes we've had so far. Um, 
I want to thank our audience. I want to especially thank Dan again for taking the time to allow Nathaniel and I to ask questions. And thank you to our audience to listen to a few guys talk about stuff they love. Till next time. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments, broker-dealer or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.